Good morning. Thanks for joining our live stream today. I trust you're nice and cozy, sitting around in your jammies, maybe a nice cup of coffee, kick back in your favorite chair. Wait a minute. We're getting hosed here. Had to get all dressed up, had to spend 30 minutes in makeup. Well, actually not that, but man, we're, we're here standing. I'm, 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 I'm preaching to you, and you're comfortable, relaxed. Well, I hope you enjoy the day. I want you to enjoy the time we have together. I want you to listen to God's word and glean all that God has for us today. All, again, this Wednesday evening, we'll be on Facebook. So you can uh, go on to Facebook, Faith Baptist Church Facebook, 630 this, uh, this coming Wednesday evening. I'm going to share a video with you about a missionary that was scheduled to be with us. His name's Kevin Faldi. He's missionary to Haiti. Going to share some stories and things about him. It'd be interesting. By the way, every Wednesday night we have services here. So when this quarantine is over, we invite you to come back and be with us on Wednesday nights. We have missionary at least once a month. So you get an opportunity to be here to hear our missionaries, but also every Wednesday be fellowshipping together around God's word and hear what God has for you. And then until further notice, we're going to continue online services. Now, for guys like me, this social distancing is problematic. I'll be so glad when this is over and we can shake hands and hug and, and gather together. But until then, we're going to continue our services online. So uh, this is what God has for us at this time. So we're just going to trust him and we're going to do everything we can for his glory. I want to encourage you to continue to serve one another. You can do that via text message, email, phone calls, all kinds of ways. Continue to stay in touch with one another, help one another, and minister to one another. And then if you would right now, get out your phone. I want you to check out uh, check in on Facebook right now. What I think would be cool, I just thought of this a minute ago, take a picture of your family worshiping, post it on Facebook. By the way, I have my phone on mute, so don't try to call me Danny Parker. Guys like you, I know you. Don't do it. It won't be ringing, so don't worry about that. So we're glad to have you this morning. Sit back, relax, enjoy yourself as we dive into God's Word. If you recall last week, I started out by saying how horrible it is to be lost. Maybe you've been there at a point in time in your life. You're uncertain of where we are, where we're going. It's frustrating. Even be lost for a few minutes it can cause a panic. A heart rate goes up. We're a little frustrated. It gets aggravating. Um, but it's even more frightening when you think about being lost for eternity. You see, lost for a moment's one thing, but eternally, eternally lost is something else. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the word of God says this, and as it is appointed unto men, appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. To be spiritually, eternally lost is a dreadful thing. As we saw last week, the real tragedy in this story is not just that the younger son was lost for a period of time, it was that neither one of the sons had a close, intimate relationship with the Father. Jesus delivers this message. If you recall, there were two groups, basically, that were in, in attendance. You had the tax collectors and the sinners. They were the reprobates, the immoral ones, the, the ones who didn't follow the rules, the regulations, kind of went their own way. And then there were the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were gathered together. They were the, the rule keepers. They followed the law. They did the right things. They were self-appointed, self-righteous individuals. They could relate to the elder son while the tax collectors could relate to the younger son. 
And as I pointed out last week, two, there were two critical things that I wanted to share with you last week that this diverse crowd heard. Number one, these two boys were dramatically different. The younger one, I called him the wild child. He went his own way, had no moral compass, kind of wanted to live life as he thought he should and didn't want anyone to tell him what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. He lived an ungodly life. But then the elder son, he was the good boy. He stayed home. He worked in the field. He, he did what he was told. He followed the rules. He, he, he did what he was supposed to do. In fact, some people would look at him and say, oh, he's such a good boy. They liked him. But here's the real tragedy. Even though these boys were dramatically different, in the spiritual sense, they were exactly the same. You see, they were both lost. As Jesus unfolds this parable, the audience comes to that conclusion. And they say, yeah, though they were completely different, when you look at them from a spiritual, relational standpoint with God, they were exactly the same. They were both lost. The younger brother was lost by going his own way. The older brother was lost by saying, I'm good enough. I'm keeping the rules. I'm doing what's right. I'm, I'm gaining God's approval. But neither one of these two boys wanted a real relationship with their father. They only wanted what the father could provide for them. The younger was more open about it. He just went up to his father and said, give me. Give me what I think I deserve. While the elder was more subtle. He lived in such a way as he thought he could earn his father's approval. But both of them were about what the father offered. Both of them, not wanting a relationship with the father, but what, wanting what the father could provide. And as I look at mankind today, I see that's so true of so many people. They don't want a personal, intimate relationship with God. They don't want God ruling their life and having a close relationship with God. They want God to bless them, to provide for them, to give for them, to help them when they get out of trouble, and then that's the end of it. And that's the real tragedy of both these boys in this story. Well, that's the boys. That leaves the father. You see, this parable has a lot more to offer us in regard to the father than the two lost boys. Now, the great thing about the two lost boys, no matter who you are, you can relate to one or the other. And you come to this conclusion, without the father, I'm, I'm miserably lost. But the shining jewel in this story is the father. He indeed was an awesome father. So as we look in this parable, we get a glimpse of what God the father is like. And as I read our text in just a moment, I want you to listen intently to the father's actions in his words, in this parable, as I read from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. The word of God says this. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he, the father, divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older brother uh, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry, And be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. In this this parable, I see several things about this father that relate. We can get a great picture of our amazing heavenly father. You see, in this text, we see the father loves without limits. It's an amazing thing. Now, human nature would lead us to understand how a father could love the elder and not and, and despise the younger. That's just human nature. We get that. The younger one was adamant. He, he, he was in your face, demanding from the father, disrespectful in a very public and outward way. And then he took all that his father had, and he, and, and he wasted it, lived it ungodly life, totally contrary to everything that the father was and that the father wanted for him. The elder son, oh, he stayed at home. He did what he was told. I'm sure at times the neighbors would say, oh, he's such a good boy, such a nice boy. And that's what he was like. So we could understand loving one and and maybe not so much the other. But as we have seen in this text, these two boys, though they were completely different, were exactly the same. See, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good a person may be or may think they are, they've sinned and they come short of what God demands. That's perfect righteousness. So it doesn't matter whether you're the good boy or whether you're the bad boy. It doesn't matter. The end result is the same. When we try to have a relationship with God based on anything that we've done, we all come up short. And so therefore, we're exactly the same. Now here's what I think is really great about this parable, and that's this. The father loved them both. He didn't love one above the other. He loved them exactly the same. You see, he knew what they both were. He understood it. He was the father. He heard the words of the younger as he defiantly demanded his inheritance. But he also heard the words of the elder 
is the elder criticized the younger brother and then was disrespectful to him and refused to celebrate the return of his brother. He knew exactly what they were. I love John 3, 16 because it begins like this, for God so loved the world. And, and that simply means God loved all different kinds of people. He loves the good boys, he loved the bad boys, he loved the good girls, and he loves the bad girls. Doesn't matter who you are, you are in need of the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. And, and regardless of who you are, by faith, you can receive the grace that God has for you. You see, God knows we've all sinned. He knows what we are. I'm, I'm so glad in my life that God doesn't uh, have a relationship with me based on my merit. You see, John 15, verse 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. God's love is the greatest love of all, for he loved us. He loved us when we didn't want to be loved. He loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved, but he loves us anyway. He loves us eternally. And then God loves us in spite of what and who we are, and that makes his love supreme. If receiving God's love was based on our merits, I want you to think about that for a moment. If receiving God's love was based on our merits, is that something you'd sign up for? I certainly wouldn't. You see, the two boys in our story would be in deep trouble, and so would you and I. If God's love was based upon what we did instead of what he did, we would be in serious trouble. You see, the word of God tells us that that God loves us in spite of who we are. Romans chapter five and verse eight says this, but God demonstrates his love, own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing we could ever do that could ever merit God's love. And he loves us anyway. That's what makes his love so amazing. Then the father also seeks what is lost. In the first two parables, we see one sheep and one coin were lost. The owners of both of them went out and sought diligently for them. That's us. We're the sheep and the coin. We're lost. On our own, we cannot be found. We are the ones who've gone astray. We are the ones who failed. We're the lost ones. We were the ones who were lost in our sin condemned, the word of God says, by our sin and because of our sin. We have been sought out by God. We didn't seek him. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. First John chapter four and verse 19 says this, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. We don't love him and then say, God, because we love you, you wanna, we want you to love us. He loves us. And then in our response, we love him back. None of us went seeking after God. No. The word of God says he came for us. He offered himself and then he lovingly seeks us out. When he finds us, when he breathes life into us, we naturally then repent of our sin and by faith profess him as our Lord and Savior and give our lives to him. When that happens, we're like the blind man in John chapter 9 and verse 25 where it says, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I can't explain that, I just know it happens. When God breathes life into us, he gives us this Holy Spirit who dwells within us and we're made alive. 
and we now see, we now understand. We, we know what we were once lost and now we're found. We were blind, but now we see we were dead and now we're alive again. And it's all because God sought us out. He looked for us. And then also I see in this text that the Father extends grace. I love grace. Grace is an amazing thing. Verse 20, I love how it states it here. It says, and he arose and came to, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. It says that his father saw him a long way off. I'm in the right verse, I apologize. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. I love that phrase, his father saw him. And I like it for this reason, because I just envision in my own mind every day is that father went about his business on his property. He looked to the road, or he looked across the fields, and he, he was always looking for the silhouette of his son. He was anticipating his return. He was looking for him. He was watching for him. He was seeking him, even though his son had walked away in a disrespectful way, even though he knew that his son was living an ungodly life, yet he extends grace, and he continued to look and seek out his son. He extends grace. Would have been easy for the father to have just forgotten about the son, but it doesn't say that. He knew that the son had wished him dead when he left. But still, the father looks for him. He says, I, I want to have my son back with me. Our father looks for us. I love that thought. That God looks, he seeks us out. No matter who we are, no matter where we go, no matter what we've done, we have a loving Father who extends grace to us, who looks for us. He knows what we are, and in spite of that, he extends his love and grace. And then I love also the latter part of verse 20 because it says about the Father, and he says, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He's looking for the son. He spots the son, and the son's a long way off. And when he sees him, he doesn't just stand there and wait for the son to come. No, no. He, he runs to him. And, and, and in that day, that was unthinkable because the fathers were dignified. A man in his position would never run. It was just beside him. And not only that, he had the long robes. It wasn't conducive to running. So picture in your mind, here's this dignified father hiking up his robes and gathering them up and showing his knees and just taking off like Hussein Bolt going after his son because he, he extending grace. He goes after him. And he welcomes his son with open arms. For most of us today, we'd, we'd want a long list of an apology. We, we want guarantees. We want it in writing. You're never going to do like this again. You're never going to disrespect me again. But no, no, no. This father doesn't do that. He runs to the son, and he welcomes him. He says he falls on his neck. He kisses him. He embraces him. And I want you to remember where this son had been. He'd been feeding pigs. He smelled like a pigsty, but his father didn't care. Because what was on the exterior wasn't nearly as bad what was what was on the interior. But the father reached him and embraced him and loves him. He escorts him to the house and he, he says, get the finest robe, get a ring, get some sandals on him. We, we want him to look good. And then he says, kill the fatted calf, we're going to party like it's 1999. We're going to have a great time here because my son who was lost is now found. We've got him back here, and we're going to have this great party. And, and the father shows him this incredible grace. But he also shows grace to the elder son. 
See, the elder son comes in from work and he sees the lights in the house and hears a party and he stops. He doesn't go in and investigate, he stops. And he checks out with the servant. He said, what's going on here? And the servant excitedly says, your brother was lost. He's come home and your father's throwing this big party for him. And the elder son just bows up and stands there, refuses to go in the house, refuses to celebrate what's going on. What does the father do? He comes outside. He leaves the party with the son. And, and, and he kindly says to his elder son, come in the house. Your brother was lost, and now he's come home. We're going to celebrate. Come celebrate with us. Rejoice in this. Listen, here's what he doesn't say. Boy, I'm your father. Get yourself in that house that I'm in right now. He doesn't do that. He shows grace to him. He understands how the son may feel, so he deals with him kindly. He reasons with him. He explains to him, hoping that his son will understand and comprehend and, and come to the understanding that he had. But the hard-headed son doesn't. He refuses to listen. He refuses to comply with the father's request and go inside. But the father shows grace, and he shows grace to both of them. Neither one deserved the grace of the father, and yet he extended it to them. That's what the word of God says God has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. None of us deserve God's grace and his mercy. None of us do. But he extends it to us. Psalm 119 verse 56 says this, Great are your tender mercies, O Lord, and indeed they are. Regardless of whether you're like the younger son or the elder son, know this, God extends grace to you. You don't deserve it, and yet he extends it anyway. And then the father gives his all. This is an incredible thought. I just recently read Timothy Keller's book. It's, in, it's entitled, The Prodigal God, written from this text. Prodigal means this, recklessly extravagant, having spent all. Now, when we think of this passage of Scripture, when we think of the prodigal, we always think of the prodigal son. But if you'll think about it, he's not the only one who spent all. He's not the only one that was extravagant in what he did. In our text, that's exactly what the father did. You see, he gave, according to tradition, one-third of all that he had to the younger son. But I want you to look closely at verse 12. It says, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now get this last line. It says, so he divided to them his livelihood. Who's them? It's the younger and the elder. It appears that at that moment that the father divided all that he had between his two sons. He gave, he gave it all away. It's interesting. While he was yet living, he gave it all. Which, of course, we know when it comes to inheritance, doesn't happen until someone passes. And yet this father did it while he was yet alive. 
in verse 31, when he's pleading with the elder's son to come in the house, he says this, all that I have is yours. It's yours, not mine. I gave it to you. You have it all. The father, yet alive, gave all he had to the ones he loves. And isn't that a perfect picture of our heavenly father? Who being alive gave all he had for those he loved. Psalm 22 verse 14 is a messianic psalm and prophetically speaks of what Christ would do. It says this, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. That means to lavishly offer, to give over and above, beyond measure. And that's what Christ did for us. Isaiah 53 and verse 12 says this, speaking of Christ's sacrifice. Therefore I will be divided, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil of the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Poured out here means to bear, to be completely empty, to give oneself without reservation, without reserve. In John chapter 10, verse 15, the word of God says this, Jesus speaking, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life, I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays his life down. Verse 18, I love that verse. He says this, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father, Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, left the splendors of heaven, came in the form of human flesh, He lived a perfect, sinless life, was falsely accused, and then willingly offered up himself as a sacrifice for us. Being alive, he gave his all, recklessly, without abandon, for people like you, people like me. He gave it all. He poured out himself for this reason to bring each of us into a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's what our God did for us. What an awesome Father we have. In this parable, we're we're not told how the two sons respond. And the truth is that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You see, what matters is how you and I respond. More importantly, how I respond. That's what's important. So let me ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? If you were to die today, do you know for sure where you will spend eternity? Will it be with God the Father? You see, God gave himself completely and totally. If you're not sure of that today, I want you to do this. You can pray today. You can ask God to forgive you of your sin. You can, by faith, believe on him and embrace him as your Lord and Savior, giving your life completely over to him. You can do that today. And if you do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text Jesus to 68878. Or if you're not sure, you have some questions, I want you to text Jesus 68878, and you'll get a response and you can follow through with it. We'll get back with you and answer any questions you have. 
So let me talk to you as a Christian this morning. If you are a follower of Christ, I want you to know something. We have an awesome Father, God who loves us beyond measure, the best there will ever be. Therefore, we should serve him with gratitude. We should be willing to give our all as he gave his all for us. We should serve him and worship him. We should draw as close to him as humanly possible because the greater we know him, the greater we will realize who he is. You see, God wants us to love him. He wants us to love him with all our hearts, minds, and soul, and that's why he sent his son so that we could. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to be in communion with him. He wants to rule and reign in our lives. He wants to protect us, guide us, comfort us, lift us up. He wants us to have a close, intimate relationship with him. Well, Christian, maybe you've strayed today. Maybe you're not where you need to be spiritually. Well, it's time to come home. See, because God will receive you, it's, that's who he is. All you need to do is come back and solidify that relationship that you have with him. One more thing. In this time of uncertainty, in this time of unrest, we know we have a father who's in absolute control. I know the world's a little crazy today. We're not gathered here. We're having a lot of things on our plate. A lot of people are panicking. A lot of people are worried. But I do know this. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 11, speaking of our God, it says, He works all things after the counsel of His own will. I have a Father who's in absolute control. So I don't need to worry. I need to trust. I need to follow. I need to look to Him and commune with Him. And as we do, fear will be dispelled by faith. We need to trust him, for he is worthy of all that we have. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for being who you are. Though I can't begin to fathom that. We're just scratching the surface about who you are. And you're amazing. As I grow and I learn of you, the more I learn, the greater I believe you are. So Father, bless our lives today. For those that don't know you today, may they take that step of faith and follow through by communicating with us. But for Christians today, God, that you'll comfort their hearts, that you'll draw them to yourself, and that you'll empower us, that even in this dark time of our world, we can be a light we can be salt, we can be hope to a world that has none. I thank you for your word today. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And tune in on Facebook this Wednesday evening, 6.30 p.m. Have a great week.